Green Acres was a popular TV show when I was a kid. Simple plotline. Wall Street attorney forces socialite wife to give up New York and move to the farm. Cultures clash. Chaos ensues. But now it seems the tables have turned. Chickens are leaving farms in favor of urban backyards. Some inner city chickens even have Facebook pages. What's going on here? Are backyard chickens a thing? If so, why? And more importantly, how can we stop them? This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. My wife and I lead complicated lives. Careers in homes in two different states, five children spread across four time zones, a club soccer schedule that takes Suzanne and sometimes me to towns far and wide, my work-related travel, and our love of experiencing new places. Honestly, there are days I'm not sure where I am when I first wake up. One morning a few years ago, I was home in Lexington when I heard this. (coughs) Suzanne was raised on a farm, but I was pretty sure we weren't at her parents' place. When she woke, I asked her about hearing that rooster crowing. She smiled and told me that the neighbors had installed a chicken coop and that we were getting farm-fresh eggs as part of the deal. Much healthier and better tasting than store-bought eggs, she stated with authority. Everybody knows eggs come in two rows in nice little cartons that sell for a few bucks at the grocery store. If you want to go crazy, you can buy the free-range chicken variety, pay a dollar more, feel morally superior, and cook an extra one because they're puny. No one in their right mind believes it makes any economic sense to raise chickens at home. Besides, they're dirty, smelly creatures. There's a reason most of us stay away from the harsh realities of the food chain. I cracked a few eggs, scrambled them, and took a few bites. Different, not obviously better, I thought. Not a thing. Just a few hippies. This thing will be gone very soon. It turns out, I may have been wrong. (coughs) This whole chicken in the backyard thing has got some legs. The government has even released a series of studies on it. The best data on chicken migration to the cities comes from a 2013 study by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They looked at urban chicken issues in L.A., Miami, Denver, and New York City. A few takeaways. More than half a percent of single-family homes in these urban areas have backyard chickens. That's a lot of chickens. Second, overall more than 40% of people in these cities were in favor of allowing chickens in their communities. That's a lot of chicken support. And third, nearly 4% of households without chickens said they plan to have them in the next five years. Now, lots of people tell you they intend to do something and never follow through. But let's take that last nugget as evidence that urban chickens are on the rise. The USDA did. To understand why people do this, I wanted to get into the mind of an urban chicken owner. Someone who is harboring those dirty birds. Really, it's, I, I think of it as they're the pet that makes you breakfast. That's Kelly Dowling. Kelly has her MBA from UCF. She is wonderfully quirky, and she was my development officer. These days, she's assistant dean for development at Stony Brook's College of Engineering. And most importantly, she is a novice urban chicken owner. I have not done the chicken math as yet, but I can tell you so far, I've had these chicks, and I bought these chicks at four days old. I've got the feed, the brooder, the chicken run, the chicken coop. I bought a chicken playground set for them to jump up around on. I have built a little chicken sanctuary. And so far, I'm all in about $1,700. (sighs) 
Chicken Playground. Since Kelly is a novice chicken owner, we're going to use the resources of UCF to help her out. I'll do the chicken math for Kelly. Kelly has six chickens. Egg production varies a bit by breed, but to keep the math simple, let's say these chickens lay 500 eggs over their lifetime. Not a bad estimate. That means those six chickens will produce 3,000 eggs. She's in $1,700. A little of that is variable cost, mainly chicken feed. So let's say that her fixed costs are $1,600. That means just the fixed cost of an egg for Kelly, 53 cents. That translates into $6.40 a dozen. Comparison, Publix, $2.49. Whole Foods, $4.99. Now in fairness to Kelly, she may be able to spread her fixed costs over more than a couple of years. That's about the average length chickens are regular egg producers. But if you consider that there are still more variable costs, it's not an economic bargain. Don't believe me? Believe a real economist. No. Mark Dickey is a professor in our economics department. As he explains, the industrial egg complex is built to minimize costs. And Kelly's six little chickens, well, they just can't really compete. So the industrial egg complex has many, many chickens. They've got everything automated. They've got everything um, down to the last cent measured, and they're going to do it more efficiently. She probably has happier chickens than the industrial egg complex, but doubtful that she's going to get the eggs more cheaply. In fairness to Kelly, she mainly wants to enjoy them as pets. It's how you end up spending $1,600 on a chicken mansion. But what I really want to know is, um, do they love you back? One of them seems to at least enjoy my company. The other five run screaming every time I come into the coop. And then there's the biggest question facing any pet owner. When you go on vacation, what do you do with your chickens? Is, is, do, do you send them to like a chicken <laughs> pound where they hang out with other chickens? What do you do? I have two extended feeders. So my chickens can live in their coop and in their run for a week without any problem for food and water. I also have a battery-powered door opener and closer. So every night... That door to their coop closes automatically. Every morning, it opens automatically. So I have them on automatic pilot. Everything is easy peasy for me. Chickens seem a lot like cats. Disinterested in love, but low maintenance. So I hope that I like to eat the eggs of my chickens. I hope that I like it. I'm not entirely sure because a tiny bit of me is a little grossed out by this, but I feed them really well. I told you she's wonderfully quirky. Let's help Kelly out here. Anything that we invest time and effort and energy into, we feel more attached to, we feel more bonded towards, and so we like it better. That's Jonathan Hasford, assistant professor in our marketing department. Jonathan thinks Kelly's going to like those eggs just fine. There's literature and marketing research on co-production of value and stuff like that. Uh, so talk, to me, yeah. talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, any, I mean, companies from the time they start to innovate a new product, the benefits are immense if they can bring in consumers and have the consumer feel like they're a co-producer in whatever this idea of service object thing is that's being developed. And so it could just be the fact of co-production in a sense of, I feel like now I'm contributing more to, you know, the food that I produce. So she's going to love the eggs, but can she really raise the chickens? You know me, I was born in Detroit, so I didn't come by this naturally. Yeah, you're not really prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely 
absolutely correct. It took me a year to get it together. I took a backyard chicken class. I bought several books. I told everybody I know I was going to get chicken. I sought a lot of advice from people. And then after about a year, I felt comfortable in starting. But Kelly seems to have prepared well for the challenges that lie ahead. And then only once that's done someone like Kelly have confidence in her uh, ability to raise chickens? That's Ron Piccolo, chair of our management department and an expert in how people build confidence when facing new challenges. Ron has only one piece of advice for Kelly. Maybe she should join an urban chicken support group. My reaction is if someone's making an effort to raise chickens, which is uh, a rather unique circumstance, they're going to look for validation of that effort uh, from other people who are doing the same thing. Uh, People like to be different, but not all that different. And so she'll, you know, want to do something distinctive and get support and validation from others who are doing similar things. But not everyone has prepared like Kelly. And winging it can lead to a rarely talked about issue, chicken abandonment. This is an issue. And there are many Facebook pages for rehoming chickens and roosters. It doesn't always end well, though, people. Cover the kids' ears. You are people that will let them just run out into the yard and a raccoon or a hawk or an osprey will pick up that chicken. Remember, chickens are on the bottom of the food chain, not just for us as humans, but for the entire animal kingdom. So if we don't want them anymore, all you really have to do is let them out in the yard and another animal. Yeah, you get the idea. Roosters crowing, chicken abandonment, predators lurking behind the bush, kids wanting to play in the chicken coop. Makes you wonder, what do your neighbors think? Has anybody had any concerns about their property values, you know, falling or chickens getting into their backyard or? Gosh, I have to tell you, besides the predators, my number one concern is what the neighbors think. Mm -hmm. I have not gone around my neighborhood and had the chicken talk. So we had the chicken talk for Kelly. We went to her former mayor, Ken Bradley, to ask him about the types of complaints people raise about urban chickens. I'm not aware of any complaints. I'm, I'm aware of residents being concerned when we were looking at our ordinances, and I know the city of Orlando kind of went first. Oviedo had done some things. Oviedo is chicken heaven, by the way. You know, Winter Park, this was an area where Winter Park didn't necessarily want to be at the forefront of. We wanted to see what other municipalities and others would, would do. And for the most part, I'm not aware of any complaints. Winter Park has been a little chicken about legalizing chickens. But rogue chicken operations don't seem to be a problem either. And Kelly has good reasons for wanting those birds. Do you distrust the food supply? Absolutely. Give me your top three hesitations. Uh, Chemical additives and preservatives, Mm -hmm. the freshness, and ultimately the experience of the animals in the food supply. Jonathan backs Kelly up here. The grocery store does. Like eggs sometimes will take 30 days from the time it's... The egg is laid, she gets to you. And I know from my days at an unnamed large Midwestern university that when you walked past the poultry research building, it sounded like this. But I think the real reason that a lot of people raise urban chickens is this. And so I feel in control of what they're eating, and so I feel in control of what I'm eating. I blame FUD marketing 
for people's insecurity around the food supply. Listen to Jonathan Hasford talk about fear, uncertainty, and doubt in food marketing. In food, I think that when it comes to health, one of the biggest motivators that people can use is fear and anxiety. We've seen it over the years when it comes with like, you know, what you eat might be causing cancer or something. And so it's, I think it's absolutely, it's an easy thing to play on people's fears and then offer them a route to fixing that. It's a great way to motivate people's behavior if you can pull it off effectively. One last insight into the mind of Kelly Dowling. Uh. I, I don't know what to do about this. Are you going to have your own Facebook page for your chickens? Have you considered that? Not only have I considered it, I don't know if you've ever watched chickens. No, it's really calming. don't got the time. It's <laughs> calming and it's relaxing. There's something about watching chickens peck and scratch and peep that is just harmonious. And so I thought, I'm going to put some chicken cams up and people can sign into my chicken cams and watch my chickens. Can Kelly's chickens be social media stars? We asked Dr. Carolyn Messiah of our marketing department to take a look at Kelly's chickens and give us her assessment. This would actually be Facebook worthy. Carolyn takes this conversation in a bit of an unexpected direction. Uh, this would probably end up being a, a mid-workday break for individuals to to sort of escape from the office you're in to nature and be able to watch it. I'll tell you, it does go back to it's a form of meditation that people aren't having to put the effort in to uh, calm themselves for meditation, to talk themselves through, to isolate themselves in a quiet area. Believe it or not, Carolyn goes on to suggest a multi-platform approach. Actually, what would probably be really neat is they had their own Twitter, so that then, yeah, that would really build that all together. And you have the complete brand then. The Facebook, the um, uh, Twitter feed, and Snapchat. Share the names and have them form relationships. Next thing you know, people are buying t-shirts. You can tell why Carolyn's in marketing. She goes on to talk about the lessons for students in Urban Chickens. First of all, they can learn that no matter the technology that they know, uh, we see, particularly here in the United States, we see a shift to simplicity, particularly at home and in extracurricular activities. And so that might actually be the, the new frontier of products is actually in simplicity, not technology. The other thing that we can learn or our, our marketing students can learn as they go forward is literally anything can become a product. So even simplicity. Yeah, I've lost control of this whole podcast and probably the argument around urban chickens. But for the record, are urban chickens a thing from Kelly Dowling? As more and more people become concerned over what they're eating, the backyard chicken movement will continue to grow because of the control issue. It gets worse. From Jonathan Hasford. Oh, sure. Whether it's because it's just a hobby and things that you like to do, or whether you're trying to sort of retain a part of yourself if you used to live in the country and now you've had to move into the city for work. She's from Detroit, Jonathan. Or just to, as it becomes more efficient, people might use it to save money. They're not saving money. You know, as this grows, companies devoting... R&D and technological development to help people do this in their own backyard more efficiently and cost-effectively. I'm thinking of firing him. Finally, a voice of reason from Ron Piccolo. I say uh, it's a passing fancy. I suppose people sort of finding ways to be different and looking for healthier ways to eat that's uh, against 
you know, prevailing culture, that's not going to go away. But chicken, raising chickens is just one example of that. There's a reason why he's a department chair, people. From Mark Dickey. I'm glad they're not a thing next to my backyard. From College of Business Hall of Fame member, Mayor Ken Bradley. Uh, I don't I don't think it's, it's going to go away. I, I have a cousin that has backyard chickens in Seminole County, and... Um, and they, they love it. It's a, it's a great addition to their family. From Carolyn Messiah. I, I think they're here to say the more we saturate ourselves with technology everywhere else, the simplicity we look for, and it's immediate access to simplicity, either through a social media like Facebook or Twitter or stepping out into your backyard and experiencing it. It looks like an ideal ready to hatch. It's my podcast, so I get to go last. Simplicity and control are powerful motivators. Oliver Douglas moved his wife from New York City to Hooterville in search of that simplicity and clean living. Trouble was, he was a terrible farmer, and his life was anything but simple. In fact, it was chaos. I'm afraid there are many more Oliver Douglases in the world than there are Kelly Dowlings. The urban chicken movement might be comprised of more than just a few hippies, but I don't think store-bought eggs are going away anytime soon. What's your take? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Internet killed the video star.